The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. If you'd like to find out more about us and how we strive to be a gospel-centered, city-focused church community, visit us at missioday.org. morning, Missio. Missio, how we doing? Feeling good? Um, me too. Uh, I was under the weather for the last couple of days, so if I sound nasally or congested, I am. Um, if I get dizzy on stage and I faint and I fall down, I'm not being dramatic, I'm not trying to make a point, I'm not being filled with the spirit. This isn't like a Pentecostal thing. Um, you might actually have to uh, do some work on me and make sure that I'm feeling okay. Um, I think Justin saved me a couple of minutes in my sermon, so yesterday I had practiced a couple of times, and the sermon actually was over an hour long. Um, They told me to get that down to 30 minutes. That's not gonna happen. Um, I'm gonna try to keep it at around 45 minutes, and with his help in talking about uh, this idea of women coming in with all these experiences, I think he actually saved me a little bit of time, at least that's the hope. Uh, We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter five, so if you can open up your Bible. Um, I will be preaching from verses 22 through 33. And I wanna, just before we start, I wanna mention that all of this is really an extension of what is meant by being uh, submissive to uh, Jesus and submitting to one another in certain relationships. And as it was mentioned already, we're gonna be talking about husbands and wives, but in the weeks to come, uh, we're gonna be talking about parents and children. We're gonna be talking about slaves and masters. Um, And so all of the next several series will be talking about this in light of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That was the last verse in what Justin Payne had taught on last week. So this is just an extension and continuation of that idea that the Spirit of God fills us and empowers us to live throughout these various relationships in submission to one another for the glory of God. Does that make sense? Okay. So before we really dig into the text, I do want to uh, just further a couple of points that I think Justin was kind of leaning into. Um, Let me just say, not not everybody, I'll address something else first. So not everybody in this room is married, right? Yet. But there's there's currently over a 70% chance that you will be married at some point in your life. And that statistic used to be, I think back in the 60s and 70s, Uh, over 90% of people experienced marriage at some point in their life. And so we're kind of on a downward trend as far as people committing to the covenant of marriage. But what I would say is just because you're among the 30% who are not currently married, you could be among the 70% who eventually will, or you're probably expressing some of the covenant benefits of a marital relationship by expressing sexuality with a partner and you have yet to commit to that covenant of marriage, which is really where that fits in. So you're not off the hook just because you don't step into a position in authority over a wife through the covenant of marriage. Does that make sense to everyone? Now, let me address the people who in the end will not get married. There, there are people who are certainly gifted with uh, the gift of singleness, and that is a real thing. That is something that Paul uh, had, had called on his life by Jesus, and it's, it's something that Jesus lived out. He was a single man, he, he'd never gotten married, and that's, that's a good thing, and that's a good gift of God. Let me say this, though. What we're talking about today is love and submission, and I think we all can relate to love and submission. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what that means later. Um, one last thing, men and women, husbands and wives, Let me just caution you, do not play the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of your partner. 
It's not gonna go well. Men, if you try to leave here and tell your wife all the ways that she needs to respond to this text, you're gonna be seen as a jerk. Wives, don't tell your husband all the ways that he needs to be responding to this. The Spirit of God does not need your help. We all make crummy Holy Spirits, amen? Okay, so don't, absolutely walk through this, talk through this, make sure that you guys are communicating about these things, but never tell someone how they have to respond to the Spirit of God working in them. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. My wife and I have been married for about eight years, um, and over the course of that eight years, we have had five children and one miscarriage. Let me say this, my youngest child is already a year old, so in eight years, uh, really seven years if you take off that last year in which my child has been developed, right? In seven years, we experienced six pregnancies. Life at my house has been insane, it's been chaotic. And let me tell you this, as a result of that, my wife and I have probably fought about everything you could possibly imagine. Everything you fought about, we've fought about. Let me tell you this, we one time fought about the color of underwear. Does, it, does anybody resonate with that? You guys fight about the color of underwear? Right, that, just men, listen to me. That resulted in me losing a shoe to a toilet, all right? And I didn't throw it in there. You get what I'm saying? Listen, my wife gave me permission to share everything that is in here, so don't feel bad for her. She knew this was coming, and she felt fine with it, okay? And I would say this, that was my fault. I have to own that, okay? I'm the one who caused her to get so angry as to respond in throwing my shoe in a toilet. Does that make sense? That, that's me, I'll own that. I'll own that in front of my wife. She knows that I own that. And okay, let's just move on. <laughs> Ephesians chapter five. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you to uh, speak truth through me. Let this scripture resonate in our hearts so that we can leave here transformed people for your glory and our joy. And And the relationship of marriage is what we're going to be talking about, God, and we just ask you to bless this, that husbands would listen and wives would listen, and that we would uh, respond as you would call us to through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's a big idea. 
Being empowered by the Spirit, we are called to die to self and live in harmonious interpersonal relationship with our spouse to the glory of God. That's the entire theme of what we're talking about here today. And it starts out addressing the women. Let me just say this. There are three verses in this scripture that are primarily directed towards the women. So the other nine verses, that means, are directed towards the men. And so we're gonna spend a lot more time addressing men in leadership, but we do need to discuss wives submitting. It says, wives should submit. I wanna just tackle exactly what Pastor Justin was talking about here, this idea that women are bringing into relationships with their husband some, some emotional or physical uh, history of abuse possibly, uh, and, and that is absolutely not okay, okay? There's this entire like Me Too movement going on, and what you know, Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby have done is absolutely despicable. It is not acceptable, um, and men, we as leaders were called to lead our wives in love, and we're gonna talk about what that means, but we have done a poor job in a lot of cases, and women, we are not saying to you that you need to submit to all male authorities in your life, nor should you submit to any kind of abuse, whether sexual or physical or emotional, whatever the case is, we are not advocating for submission in all circumstances. There is brokenness in this world, and to be honest, men, we've done a poor job. So I just wanna make sure to mention that. Now, that being aside, let's talk about wives submitting, okay? Some women have attached so much to this idea of feminism, right? And there's, there's this, in my opinion, an overreaction to this headship that a man is called to lead in, okay? And when you are in this feminist movement, and, and I think the feminist movement right now is actually, um, it, it's designed to be uh, elevating women to a position of equality, uh, and, and we'll talk about equality here in a second, but I think we've actually overcorrected and we've gone the other way in which women are now occasionally saying that men don't even have the right to speak into this, and that is not equality. It is not equality for a woman to, t to tell a man that he is not able to speak into life circumstances, okay? Now, men, that's not an excuse to tell her to submit and to be quiet, okay? But I think it's an overreaction to chauvinism in which men have done a poor job in leading well, okay? And that is when chauvinism is when a man expresses too much authority above and beyond what God had designed, okay? And so feminism and chauvinism, these are not the views that uh, Missio would hold to. This is not acceptable. Uh, and let me talk about the view that we do hold. Complementarianism, and there is a quote by Wayne Grudem in the Bible Doctrine book, and this is what it has to say about the complementarian view of marriage. The creation of man as male and female shows God's image in one, harmonious interpersonal relationships, two, in equality and personhood and importance, and three, difference in role and authority. And let me just say this, women, again, there are a hundred reasons why you have fears about submitting to a man, but let me just tell you this, and those issues do need to be worked out, but let me say this, by refusing to submit, you're not protecting yourself from further harm. When done rightly, you are expressing God's 
good design in marriage. Do not allow the history to determine the present or the future. Deal with the the bad situations and the brokenness, talk to a counselor, talk to a pastor, whatever you need to do, but don't rob yourself of joy. It continues, so wives should submit, and it says, to your own husbands as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Note that women are not supposed to submit to all male authorities, right? That's what this text is outlining for us. We're not to, we're not to as wives, you're not supposed to submit to all authorities. It says submit to your own husbands, okay? And this is going to bring about that harmonious interpersonal relationship within the covenant of marriage which we've defined. And and it points out that the submission a wife should have to her husband should mirror that which the church has to Jesus Christ. Let me ask all Christians in this room right now, in what capacity do Christians submit to Christ? Say everything, right, everything. We submit in everything, and that's what it's talking about here. Wives, submit in everything to your husband, okay? God is not trying to rob you of joy here. This brings about that harmonious interpersonal relationship. And I mentioned covenant. Why do I say covenant? Let me just explain this briefly. There's two different ways you can live in a marriage relationship. There's covenantalism, and then there's contractual obligation. We are not advocating for contractual obligation. Contractual arrangements are ones in which a man and a woman will say, I'll do this, you'll do this, and we'll continue this until it makes sense, and if it no longer makes sense, we're not gonna do it anymore, I'm gonna move on, I'm gonna try something else. That's not what we advocate for here at Missio. We express covenant language with regard to marriage, and we would say that a wife should give all of herself to her husband. I'm, I'm going on and on about wives, but I promise you the majority of this will be toward the men. A few points left for the wives. You should not have any secret sin from your husband, right? You should bring that into the light and you should confess and you should work together and husbands, you need to listen and you need to be tender. You should not have any secret money from your husband. Don't have a separate bank account just in case things don't go well, right? What if he starts being a jerk and I wanna leave? No, that's not covenantal, that's contractual. We need to repent of that. We need to submit in everything. Give all of yourself to your husband. Submit in all things. Let me tell you a very quick story. Um, And I think this will kind of encapsulate what I'm talking about here. My wife and I were arguing one time, and it doesn't even matter what the argument was about. At the end of the day, I I was being a jerk. I was being an absolute jerk. I wasn't listening to my wife. I wasn't uh, seeking to understand her point of view. And, and finally, it got through to me, I just need to be quiet sometimes, and I need to actually listen, okay? But I also expressed to her that you need to repent here as well. I said, we both have work to do. And here's how I wrapped that up. We're on the same team. At the end of the day, wives, you are on team husband. You're on team husband, just in the way that the church is on team Jesus, amen? So, at this point, Paul directs his attention to the men. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's a few different types of love that are expressed um, throughout scripture and let's face it, like Missio, we're a bunch of theology nerds, right? And so you probably already understand this idea that there are several different types of love, one of them being an intimate type of love. That's not the love that it's talking about here. There's another type of love and it's this brotherly love, this camaraderie love. That's not what it's talking about here. The love that is being referred to here is an agape type of love. It's dying to self. This type of love exemplifies sacrifice and patience. I think sometimes, men, we do a really bad job in responding to our wives. I think sometimes we put all the onus on them, and that's not appropriate, right? We're just saying, you should submit to me. Let me ask you a question, and it doesn't get them off the hook, but are you worth submitting to? Are you living your life as though you actually care that you're dying to self and you're protecting and you're loving and you're serving your spouse? That's what we're called to do, men. Let me ask you this. When you get frustrated, do you not recognize that your sanctification in Christ has also been messy? Do you not recognize that maybe, maybe you were a little difficult to be patient with when Christ came into your life and saved you? We have got to understand a sacrificial love. We have got to make sure to put the needs of our spouse first. Husbands, the charge is on you. He says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is the type of sanctification that God designed marriage to be. Let me say that again. This is the type of sanctification God designed marriage to be that there would be this relationship in which a man is dying to self and loving his wife for her good, that he would take care of her. And let me quote Psalm 128, verses three and four. It says this, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Here's what it's saying. In this way, a man will be blessed if he fears the Lord, right? And so what that's saying is if you're being filled up with the Spirit of God to live in this way, dying to self every single day, this is what you get. This is what you get. Your wife will be a fruitful vine. Men, we are called to be the gardeners Right? If the garden looks messy, who's gonna fix it? The gardener steps in. The gardener cultivates and brings about the joyful submission in his wife because he loves her well. Amen? He's gotta love her well. He's gotta tend to her. He's gotta ask her questions. Let me, let me tell you another story about my wife and I. This was, this was one instance in which things went really well for us and was very difficult for my wife and I. It had to do with coming to Missio. So 
As I said, we've been coming here for about five years. Prior to that, we had started visiting on and off occasionally, and the church we were plugged into, I just didn't feel like I was spiritually being fed. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with, at the time, there was a big transition, okay? The lead pastor had gotten ill, and there was a new pastor coming in, but he was just an interim pastor, and they ended up not offering him the job, and there was just a lot of chaos, and I wasn't being filled up. Okay, I wasn't being led spiritually. And so I had at that point gotten turned on to a lot of guys like Driscoll and uh, Keller and uh, Matt Chandler and a lot of these guys and I started to realize, man, there's a lot to this reformed theology. Here's why I'm bringing this up. After literally months and months and months of talking this through with my wife and saying, Lindsay, I think we need to go over here. I think we need to go to Missio. And she, and she had her own reasons as to why she was comfortable in her church that she was attending. Um, if you were here five years ago, you'll remember that if you go out this door and to the left, this creepy little hallway, well, that's where we used to keep the kids. <laughs> Everybody remember that? It was a little bit weird, right? And that was, a, that was a change for her. We weren't used to coming downtown. We were living on the east side in the suburbs. The east side is the beast side, the best side, right? If you wanna join a good community, just join the east side. We're, we're killing it out there. Um, all that being aside, there were a lot of reasons that she feared coming to Missio. And rather than just continuing my natural response of just dismissing her desires, I listened and I talked these things through with her. It ended up uh, resulting in me kind of just saying to her one day, I've heard you. I've heard you, do you agree that I've heard you? And she said, yes, I agree that you have heard me out on this. I said, and I, and I went through every, every uh, point of contention, every possible argument, and I, and I outlined why this was going to be better, not just for me, for our entire family. I said, this is the place where I'm gonna be fed, this is the place where you're going to be fed, this is the place that I think we should raise our children, and we addressed every possible concern of hers, and I said, can you please submit to me in this area? And at first she wasn't happy about it, but she said, yes, I will submit to you. And so we started attending Missio full time. About the third week into attending Missio, she looked at me in the van on the way home and she said, thank you, this is where we belong. There were a lot of conversations, and it required me to shut up and listen to what my wife had to say. Men, sometimes you just need to be quiet. You could have your shoe thrown in a toilet otherwise, right? You've gotta listen to the concerns that your wife has about the ways in which you're leading her, okay? This is not a chauvinist marriage. You are not supposed to exercise too much headship or authority over your wife. You need to lead in love and patience. Listen, if your wife is being disrespectful, if your kids are being disobedient, if your entire family life is in shambles, where are you as the man? And let me ask you this, maybe this one's actually a little bit worse. What if everything just seems like it's going really well, right? Everybody's getting along, the kids seem to be learning and growing and doing well, getting good grades, they're not getting drunk and high every weekend, they're actually obedient to their parents, right? What if things just seem to be going really well? Let me ask you this, are they going well because of your leadership? Someone 
needs to step up and lead. And if it's not gonna be you, they're gonna have a whole world that is full of people telling them how they ought to live. Listen to me, men, step up and lead your wives. This is the type of relationship you can have in which your wife can be a fruitful vine under your leadership. Listen, I don't do this perfectly. I've got a thousand stories as to why I'm a terrible leader, okay? But in this one situation, I was able to hear my wife out, I was able to pray with her, I was able to address all of her concerns, and she was willing to submit. This can go really well, okay? Everybody's probably familiar with Chris Rock, the stand-up comedian. He's got a Netflix special. I'm not gonna hammer on this too much, um, but it's called Tambourine, and here's the idea, okay? Sometimes, men, you're not the lead singer. Sometimes, you don't get to play the lead guitar. Sometimes, your career ambitions are gonna be put on the back burner for the sake of your wife. Sometimes, you're gonna shake the tambourine. You're just gonna shake that thing, right? You feeling me? Sometimes it is your job to let everybody else in the band shine. Your family needs you sometimes to play the tambourine and just highlight all the wonderful things that the Spirit of God is doing in them. I can see that most of you aren't too thrilled about the idea of playing the tambourine, so we'll move on from that. I've got four categories in which I think men and women need to start having some very serious conversations. Like I said, this sermon was over an hour long, so I think I'm doing okay on time. Um, So I'm gonna hit these. There's four categories in which men and women need to be working together and having a lot of good conversations. There are four, spirituality, okay? So deal with things spiritually, deal with things relationally, deal with things physically, and deal with things financially. I'm gonna hit on each one of these very briefly. I wanna introduce you to the concept of reverse engineering your life. You may have heard of this. Reverse engineering is where you take a view of the end in mind. You look at, what do I want life to be like when I'm 80? And then you back your way into that to say, what do I need to do when I'm 70? What do I need to do when I'm 60? What do I need to do when I'm 50? All the way back down to where you are now. What are the things that you need to be working on Spiritually, What do you want life to look like spiritually? What church do you want to be attending? Commit to a church and go to that church. And let me tell you something, your, your plans will probably change, and that's okay. Continue to check in on these categories every week with your wife, maybe even every day at times, okay? Relationally, what do you want your relationship to your wife to look like when you're 80 years old? Do you ever sit and like think about that? What do I want my relationship with my spouse to look like when I'm 80 years old? And I'm saying this to the men primarily because men, you need to make sure that this is happening, but listen to your wives. Listen to what they're saying. They are certainly willing to participate with you in designing how your life will look. Have these conversations, spiritually, relationally, physically. Let me tell you this, I'm 30 years old. I'm already realizing that my body is changing. I get out of breath walking from my parking garage to my desk job, okay? I need, to, I need to have a plan for what my life is gonna be like physically. I need to start exercising, 
right? I don't need to have little Debbies and ho-hos and ding-dongs every day. I need to actually eat some food that's going to fill me up with good nutrients so that I can live a very healthy physical life. Think about what you want your life to be like when you're 80. Do you wanna be completely exhausted? 600 pounds, unable to roll out of bed? That's not what you want, okay? Now think physically and think financially. And this one absolutely drives me crazy, okay? We're the wealthiest nation in the world and everybody's dying broke. Everybody's dying broke. We live paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. Should the wealthiest nation on earth, should its citizens die broke? There's a thousand reasons as to why people die broke. The number one reason it shouldn't be is because you as men did a terrible job at planning for your long-term financial future. Talk to your wife through these categories. Build a plan for what life is going to look like in these four areas, spiritual, relational, physical, and financial. But this entire idea is tending to the needs of your family and to your wife specifically, and it continues to say, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Hey, Missio, finish this phrase. Happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. Is that what the text says? Well, well, I think what it's saying is true and that you cannot, you cannot have a happy, harmonious relationship with your spouse if she's miserable, right? You're not gonna get along if your wife is miserable. It clarifies what it's saying here. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. And he quotes Genesis chapter two. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Two people coming together, and they are now one flesh. Let me ask you a question, men. Who knows about what it means to nourish someone else? Maybe your wives. Has she given birth? I'll bet she knows what it's like to nurse that child. I bet she knows what it's like to tend to every little detail in that child's life. If your relationship's at all like mine and my wife's, my wife cooks a lot of my meals. She does basically all of my laundry, right? She nourishes me, she takes care of me, and in turn, I provide for her, and it's not exclusive, right? I am not just supposed to go out and work, and she's not just supposed to come into the relationship and do all the dishes. We are a team, and sometimes you gotta bear multiple burdens. So I'm not saying just go provide, man. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But your wives, you probably have something to learn from them about what it means to nourish someone else. Wives, do you get pedicures, massages, right? You nourish your body. Do you buy lotions, right? Let me tell you this, your husband loves that you take care of yourself. He loves that. He loves that you don't smell like B.O. like he does. He loves that you're soft to the touch, okay? Now, men, do we know anything about nourishing our flesh? Do we have these awesome beards, right? 
Who knew that the entire industry of facial hair products for men was going to be a multi-billion dollar industry? You men and your beard oils, and let me, just, let me just say, I'm jealous, right? I don't have a beard, I wish I could have one. I think it would be amazing. I think in my glorified body, I will have a ZZ top kind of beard, okay? At least that's the hope. But my point is, we know how to nourish the flesh, right? Husbands, learn from your wife what it means to nourish someone. My wife, uh, I'm gonna tell on myself here a little bit. My wife came home one day. We had two kids at the time. And she had been, I think she was at work, and I was taking care of the kids. And she came home, and she asked me a few questions. She said, um, did you feed the kids? And I was like, thinking to myself, <laughs> nailed it. Of course I fed the kids. That was great, right? And then she asked me like all these other questions, like did you change your diaper? Did you make sure they had something to drink? And on and on and on. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. And I couldn't really keep up, right? Because she was thinking of all these other things that wives know how to do well. And men, we tend to be lousy at them. I'm lousy at them, right? And so my wife so graciously said it to me. Um, Let me ask you a question. Were you thirsty? Maybe they were thirsty, <laughs> right? I was like, well, yeah, you know, I, I was thirsty. I had a couple cups of coffee. I had some soda and some water. It was, it was really good, right? But I completely ignored the fact that my children were probably thirsty, okay? Sometimes my hat is, in fact, a hat rack. I know everybody at Miss You knows that I like to wear flat bill hats. Sometimes that's what this thing's up here for, just to hold that hat on, okay? You've got to think about all the things that you can be doing to tend to all the people in your life because you are called to be that head. And he continues, this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wives, submit to your husband in everything. Husbands, lead your wives You've got to lead your wives. Here's our story. We have two primary ways in which we tend to live out marriage covenant. Number one is living defeated. And this is when you're living as a subordinate in your own home. Women, you are not supposed to be a lower class citizen in your relationship. Husbands, Some men are walking around defeated. You are not called to be a second-class citizen in your home. We're not to live defeated. Number two, domineering. And this would be where we're living as not uh, a defeated subordinate, but rather we're living as an oppressive superior. You are not, men, you are not supposed to exercise more authority than what God has given you. Do not oppress your wife. Wives, don't oppress your husband. Don't have this view that he's supposed to do everything perfectly. He's not going to, that's an unrealistic expectation. Work together in understanding we are not to live defeated, or to live in superiority by dominating our spouse. Instead, we are called to live in submission, ultimately to Christ, and here's how it plays out. Wives, submit to your husbands. Men, 
love your wives, okay? We are called to die to self. And that, that goes for both of us, but the charge is primarily for men. Die to self. What does it mean to die to self? It means to put someone else first. You need to be in good communication with your wife about this. Wives, you need to be in good communication with your husbands about this. You need to learn to trust one another. You can bring a lot of distrust into the marriage, but you need to forgive quickly, okay? Forgiveness can happen immediately. Trust is built over time. Take some time and build trust into your relationship, ultimately knowing you're called to be obedient to God. Men, you've got to be patient with your wives. Your sanctification to Christ, your sanctification in Christ has been very messy and you need to demonstrate the kind of patience that Christ had with you in relationship to your wife. And this will be difficult. In Genesis chapter three, and I'm gonna paraphrase some of this, it said to the woman, he said to the woman, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. This is going to be difficult, wives. You're gonna have different ideas, you're gonna have different opinions, you're gonna have a different uh, circumstance that you've come from that's informing your present and your future. It's going to be difficult at times to submit. Work toward submission. And to Adam he said, and I'm paraphrasing, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Listen, it's not gonna be easy for the men. And this text is not primarily dealing just with the marriage relationship, but the idea here is that everything in the world, men, is going to be working against you in this regard. Everything is going to try to pull you away. Your hobbies are gonna pull you away. Your career ambitions are going to pull you away. You've got to learn to live in love, the agape love, the selfless love, dying to self and putting the needs of your wife first. In Philippians chapter two it says this, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, not a thing to be held onto, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let me tell you this, in the end, Christ is our perfect submission, and Christ demonstrated perfect love. Christ is our perfect submission, and Christ demonstrated perfect love. Here's the good news. Christ has already accomplished this for us. Let me tell you this. We're gonna make a lot of mistakes. Men, you're gonna be bullheaded at times. Wives, you're not gonna wanna listen to him. Christ has already taken care of this ultimately for us. So let's grow in our sanctification knowing that Jesus has paid it all, right? Jesus has bought us with a price and it is through his death, burial, and resurrection that we can be in right relationship 
to Jesus, who submitted to the Father's will, and who died to self, literally and physically, so that we could be brought into the fold. That is perfect love. That is a selfless love. That requires humility. It says that he humbled himself. I have a couple of quotes about humility. Let me say this. We need to make everything an exercise in humility. As a pattern of life, make everything an exercise in humility. C.S. Lewis, uh, he has a quote on humility, and it's, there's actually a misquote, so the one that I'm going to, to speak of after this is often attributed to C.S. Lewis, but it's not the case. I did a little bit of research. Here's what Lewis did actually say. C.S. Lewis, when speaking about a man who is exercising humility, he says this, he will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. And then Rick Warren is the person who actually said what a lot of people attribute to C.S. Lewis, and he says this in The Purpose Driven Life. He summarizes it in a very good way, a way that I think we can just memorize and we can rest in and understand what he's talking about. He says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Men, women, husbands, Wives, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Spirit so that you can respond in humility to submit, wives, submit to your husband in all things. Husbands, love your wives with that agape, that dying to self kind of love. This requires humility. Make everything an exercise in humility. Let me pray. God, thank you for an opportunity this morning to proclaim your word. My hope would be that um, this has been encouraging. Let the word of your scripture resonate with our hearts. Transform us by the power of your spirit to live out this covenant of marriage well. Let us not pretend to have the role of the Holy Spirit as we leave here today, God but humble us. Remind us that we need to respond in humility. That we've got a lot of work to do as wives and we've got a lot of work to do as husbands. When we fail, God, please remind us that Jesus is taking care of all of this on our behalf. Let us be filled with your spirit to leave here as transformed people for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.